That is what the Lord is desiring from the children of Israel here to teach their children about Passover. We can do that today in the church to teach about the fulfillment of Passover through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. And welcome to the service tonight. What a blessing it is to have you with us as we're going to continue our journey through the book of Exodus tonight looking at Exodus chapters 13 and 14. The children of Israel at one point will read that they went out of Egypt with boldness, but the boldness would not last very long when trouble would come upon them. And I I really connect to that. And quite often we can have those moments when we feel like the Lord is with me and nothing can go against me. And then something will change and we will feel like we're hemmed in on every side and our backs up are against the wall. We're going to find that that is how it is for Israel as they go out. And the Lord planned it to be so because the Lord not only wanted to show Pharaoh and the children of Israel that he is the Lord. Remember, Pharaoh, when Moses first came to Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, who is the Lord and why should I listen to him? And so God has shown him through 10 plagues that I am the Lord, but Pharaoh hasn't gotten it yet. And there would be one more work that God would do in Egypt there as the children of Israel make their way to the wilderness where God will let Egypt know that he is the Lord. And at the same time, He will let Israel know that he is the Lord and his word is true. So I titled chapter 13, you might think it an odd title, but I titled it The Mummies of Israel. And you won't discover why until we get to the closing verses of chapter 13. But the key verse gives us a clue. The key verse for me in Exodus 13, 19 connects to that title. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. And so uh, 
a commitment by Moses and the children of Israel to the word of Joseph, the savior of Egypt at one time and the savior of Israel as well in the then known world. But he knew that the Lord would come for his people and bring them up out of Egypt. And Joseph said, when that happens, take my bones with you. But it was more than bones that they would carry up. And we'll see that as we get into Exodus chapter 13. So I'm going to begin in verses 3 through 10, because verses 1 and 2 actually connect with 11 through 16, and it's teaching the same thing. And so instead of breaking up that thought process, I'll just jump into verse 3, and we'll have the thought that the Lord is given to the children of Israel when he tells them in verses 3 through 10 to remember this day, and then verses 1 and 2, and also 11 through 16, when he tells the children of Israel to consecrate unto him, the Lord speaking, consecrate unto me all the firstborn of both male and animal that comes forth from the womb. And so it's mentioned in verses 1 and 2, goes into detail in verses 11 through 16. So I'm going to keep those together to keep the thought together. And we'll pick up in verses 3 through 5, the day of Passover. And so remember that they'd had Passover. Uh, we just learned of that. They had killed the lamb that had been in their home from Nisan the 10th until the 14th. They're at twilight between the dusk is how that's described in Hebrew. So like right between the sun all the way setting going down. They killed the Passover lamb. There were many lambs, but we learned in Exodus 12 that it was in a singular sense. They killed the Passover lamb. They then roasted the lamb whole, but took its blood and painted it on the, uh, the doorpost and the lintel of their homes. And wherever the destroyer, that God sent into Egypt when he came to the house where he saw the blood, he passed over that house. And so that was in the evening. Now this is the following day. And so still the same day. And they count in Jewish, uh, they count from dusk to dusk. So they count differently than us. And so they consider a day different than we do. So they're in that same day. It's Passover day. They've already had the meal. They've already painted the blood on their houses. And now they're on the road and they're going out. And the Bible tells us, verses 3 through 5, And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went up out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by the strength of the Lord, and the hand of the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month of Abib, and it will be when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you will keep this service in this month. I just kind of personally wonder if Moses, Aaron, and their sister Miriam just stood on some high vantage point. Uh, maybe they were walking with the children of Israel, leading them out. But I kind of this morning had this idea of Moses just watching the children of Israel flow out of Egypt. 
making their way into the wilderness. And whether they watched or walked with them, God called for the nation to remember this day. Remember the day that I brought you out of Egypt, the day that God redeemed the children of Israel and brought them from the bondage of Egypt. In Micah 6, 4, one of the minor prophets mentioning this, he said, Micah 6, 4, For I brought you up out of the land of Egypt, God speaking, I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of bondage, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. The children of Israel beginning that journey there on the day of Passover, and this is the first week of their travel. It actually meant that they traveled during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For Passover would be from the 14th, Passover day is on the 14th, and they have the Feast of Unleavened Bread that goes all the way to the 21st. And so normally, and I believe that's why the Lord said through Moses, when you get into the land, you shall keep this service in this month, that there was going to be this custom of remembering it's much like when we celebrate Easter. And for us, at Calvary Chapel Lake Villa, we have for pretty much since I've been around here for 20 plus years now, we've taken that week, Monday through Friday, meeting for prayer and celebrating the Good Friday service, spending the week just waiting upon the Lord, praying, singing hymns, taking each night to wait upon the Lord, and then coming together on Good Friday to remember the work of our Lord. This is something that Israel was to do for their children, to teach their children. So what we do here at Calvary Chapel Lake Villa, I set up a table in the back corner, a very low table, to kind of get the feel of Israel. They didn't sit in chairs like we do now. You're so comfortable in your chairs right now. But they would kneel. They would uh, actually sit sideways, usually on pillows and have a very low table that they ate at, and we spread out some of the things that might be on the communion table or that Christ would have had with his disciples. No lamb. I have not got to that point yet that we had a Passover lamb for our meal. But on that Good Friday, we take each family or friends, individuals, however they want to come, uh, back to the table one at a time, break bread, share Passover with them. And one of the first times I did this very early on, a family that I know very well came from Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and the founding church of the Calvary Chapel movement. And after we had that communion service, she said, the mom came to me and said, this was the first time that we've had communion with our children. And so it was a teaching time for the children. And I, if children were sitting at the table, I taught a little bit before we received communion. And so that is what the Lord is desiring from the children of Israel here to teach their children about Passover. We can do that today in the church to teach about the fulfillment of Passover through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Nehemiah 9.10, Nehemiah is remembering this. And this is after the Babylonian captivity. So the children of Israel 
They haven't even made it to the promised land yet. That would be another 40 years. We haven't went through the period of the judges or the kings uh, being captured by the Babylonians, 70 years in captivity, uh, the initial phase of coming out of the captivity. Nehemiah would come some 150 years after they were taken into captivity. And yet when he prayed, Nehemiah 9.10, he said, You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants, against all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted proudly against them. So you made a name for yourself as it is to this day. And we're talking about uh, possibly a thousand years from this day, and Nehemiah is praying about it. What God did, they remembered because they passed it on to their families from generation to generation. I think this is important for us to teach our children, teach our grandchildren what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So we had the month of Abib mentioned here. And after the Exodus, that became Nisan. And so it's known today as Nisan. Nisan 14th is uh, Passover. And then the Feast of Unleavened Bread goes from Nisan 15th through the 21st. And then the Feast of First Fruits on Nisan the 21st. So two different months, but the same month, two different names for the same month. The older, the Abib that's mentioned here in our text. And after they came out of the Babylonian captivity, Nisan, which is referred to today. God not only redeemed them, brought them into the promised land, it was the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, as mentioned here. And it was the promise that God had given to Abram in Genesis 15, that his descendants would be given this land, Genesis 15, 18, from the river of Egypt to the great river, and the river Euphrates. So actually, when we look at the nation of Israel today, and when we look biblically at the boundaries of Israel, the only time that they got close to all that God promised them, promised Abram to the children of Israel, was during the reign of David, because he did have his soldiers over in the area of Babylon at the Euphrates River. And so the boundary is much larger than the small little nation that we see today that is about the size of Lake Michigan or the size of New Jersey. But God promised Abram that his descendants would be given the land, the land of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And just as the Lord had prophesied over 600 years earlier, I believe, some scholars think it was 430 years. We mentioned that last time we were together, that the Bible tells us that the day that they came into Egypt on that very same day, Exodus 12, 51, they came out of Egypt 430 years to the day. And some say that their stay in Egypt was much shorter, some 215 years. They start counting in the days of Abram. I don't believe the count goes there, but that's me. There's much smarter men and women who look these things over, but there is a debate about the length of stay. Some 
430 years. Some say 215 years. They were not in captivity when you take it all the way back to Abraham, not in captivity as long as one might think. I don't quite have the answer to that, except for Exodus 12, 40 and 41 tells us the children of Israel sojourned there in the land of Egypt 430 years. So I kind of go with that one. It came to pass at the end of 430 years on that very same day. It came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out of the land of Egypt. So when you try to say, no, they weren't actually in Egypt for 430 years, only 215 years, then you have to deal with the 215 years that they were not in Egypt. So what do you do with those years? God said they were going to be 400 years. So it, it gets a little dicey, but God delivered them. And that's what is important for us. Verses 6 and 7, it tells us, Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. As I mentioned, as we looked at this last time we were together, looking at Exodus 11 and 12, that leaven symbolically in Scripture represents evil or sin. And so for these seven days, there was to be no leaven in the house. That's why we break unleavened bread when we have communion, because Christ, his body was broken for us, represented by the blood, Jesus Christ without sin. And so they were to be reminded of the great deliverance for them, reminded of the great deliverance of God from the Egypt and the provision that he provided for them as they took great wealth out of Egypt as they left. Today it reminds us of Jesus, our Passover, the one who is without leaven, the one who is without sin. As 1 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us, Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you are truly unleavened. And indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So that unleavened bread today for the church represents the body of Christ. That little piece of bread, supposed to be made without leaven. I'm pretty strict on that, usually. But I know the Greek Orthodox Church when they make their communion bread, they put a little leaven in it, saying that Jesus bore our sins, so they represent our sins in the bread. I don't agree with that, but that's how the Greek Orthodox Church does it. So they're to have a sign on Israel's hand and on their forehead. In verses 8 through 10, Now you shall teach your son in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Lord did for me when... I came up from Egypt, and it shall be as a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord brought you up out of Egypt, and you shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. So the sign to recount the story, 
to their children, to their grandchildren, year after year, to teach their children how God had redeemed them from the bondage of Egypt, brought them up to the promised land, and they were to do so annually. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, speaking about the sign, and they would actually, and we'll look at this again, because he's going to repeat the teaching points to the children in our next point. But one of those verses, the sign, the box that they would wear, the phylactery, the frontlets that they would wear on their forehead, the Orthodox Jews, some do to this day. One of the verses of scripture that's in that little, two little boxes actually that they keep, written out on parchment, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today, they shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. Actually, they put them on their forearm on your hand and on the frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates in israel they actually have a small little uh hand often that they would touch when they walk in they have little i forgot the name of what they're called right now but they carry the same scripture and something that as you walk in the house you touch it to remember god their custom when we were in Israel, even their uh, public buses, they had on the doorway of the bus, you enter the bus, they have these traditions that come right from Deuteronomy chapter 6. But the point is that parents are to teach their children. Parents are their children's first teachers. And I believe the most important teachers that they have in life and the things of God. And today we live in a society that's pretty much letting parents know that they are not important as far as teaching their children. In fact, many in our government-run schools want to unteach our children that they can conform them into their image. And if anything good has come out of the last two years, parents in our country have realized that they need to be involved in their children's life much more than they were that's a good thing. Christian parents more so than those who are not Christian. So we find the importance of teaching these things, remembering the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. There would also be the Feast of First Fruits, but that's not talked about here, but all in that seven-day period. Father, we thank you for this word you've given us this evening. It could be, Lord, that we might be more like Israel than we would want to admit. We might feel like we're there at the Red Sea, our backs against the wall, mountains hemming us in on each side, and the destroying army coming for us, like it was for Israel with Egypt pursuing them. Yet, Lord, you commanded them through Moses to not be afraid, to stand still and to see the salvation of God. So we pray tonight, Lord, that you would help us to not have fear when fear is trying to grip our heart. Help us, Lord, to stand in the faith that you have given us.
to stand upon that foundation. May we look to you for our hope and our salvation, that we might see the salvation of the Lord and give testimony of it to others. Help us, Lord, to be those who would share these truths with our children, that they too might come to know you in life-saving faith. And be with us now, Lord, as we leave this place. Bless us. Bless our family. Lord, be with this country. Father, it seems that things are changing so quickly that your son Jesus must be coming very soon. And Lord, we ask that you would come. But until you come, Lord, help us to do business until you come. Help us to serve you until we see you face to face. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Could be those listening on radio tonight, watching through social media. If you have a prayer request, questions, please email us at cclv at comcast.net. cclv at comcast.net. If you have questions about our church, you can find us at cclv.org. cclv.org. And I pray that God will bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.